Holidays are traditionally a time for families to get together, but they are also a time where families can fall apart. Clinical psychologist Dr Kirsty Ross, Massey University's psychology clinic she is at, and we're going to discuss some of the flashpoints that families can expect over Christmas and how to avoid or manage them. Kira, Kirsty, how are you? Morena, I'm great, thanks. How about yourself? Really good, thank you. Uh, it's interesting, why is it a particularly stressful time, these get-togethers at this time of the year? Uh, is there a dynamic that's different from other family get-togethers, or is it just that we're all getting together? It's. Uh, I think the time of the year is um, is an interesting one because oftentimes, certainly as as a parent, I know that I've had these images at times of uh, how Christmas would be. You know, the idyllic, you know, round the table and everyone getting along and the children behaving beautifully and things. And then the reality, not always um, quite so quite so idyllic. So I think there's um, there's an interesting element to it, and in that it's a time where we often spend more time than we would normally with people we don't often see a lot of. Um, We also have a lot of pressure around hosting, presence, um, there's financial stresses. It's the end of a year, so we're all kind of quite tired. Um, There's often alcohol involved, which can sometimes, you know, loosen the tongue a little bit um, and make people more willing to to bring up um, old uh, historical things within a family as well. And so there's a number of different things which can be kind of flashpoints at this time of the year when we all get together. It's interesting, those historical events mm-hmm. can play uh, play on our minds. I was reading a very good article by Matt Heath, actually, in the, in the Herald earlier in the year, who talked about, uh, sorry, earlier in the week, <laughs> says something, doesn't it? And he was talking about how human beings rehearse. We're we're primed to look for threats and risks. And often we can rehearse a situation before it happens because we're working out what we're going to do about it. And then before you know where you are, you've worked yourself up and it's almost like this event has already happened. Uh, And can we talk a little bit about that side of the human brain? And if we know we have a problem with a particular relative, we tend to have a to-do with them what are we possibly already doing that's unhelpful? Yeah, I, I think what we what we sometimes do is we assume. I mean, the past is a is a predictor of the future and what might happen, but it isn't necessarily predetermined. And one of the things that we have control over is how we respond in that situation, because in reality, we actually don't have control over what the other person's going to do. But when we rehearse something, we often um, the only template that we've got to imagine what might unfold is what's happened historically, and that's the stuff which brings up lots of emotions lots of um, threats, uh, feelings of threat in our brain, which then creates um, bodily sensations, which can be tricky, like racing heart and sweaty palms and increased um, breathing rates. So when we have, rehearsal is a really important thing. As long as you're rehearsing positive coping, rather than necessarily what's going to unfold word for word, because the thing that we really want to have confidence in is our ability to manage our own emotions, our own thoughts and our own choices in that situation so that it doesn't bubble over into an absolute disaster on Christmas Day. So that rehearsal is not in itself the bad thing, it's the way we do it. And, you know, there there can be two different ways of approaching any situation. One is that this isn't going to work, it's going to be a disaster, I'm not going to get the job, that person's not going to ask me out. And the reverse is quite the reverse, it all runs well. 
if you are if you already have a friction perhaps with family member or members uh, and you're wanting to rehearse a good way of coping what can you do can you be mm-hmm. mentally anticipating some of your own triggers it might not necessarily be all this person's fault yeah. it might just be a personality clash can you recognize yeah. it and begin to come up with some things you might say to negate a situation what 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 kind of things can you do yeah, because that's the bit that's really important is that rehearsal in the sense of not so much how it's going to unfold, but what options you have in in certain events. So the, the thing is that when we get together with families, um, my sister and I would talk about this and, you know, when, when we would be around our parents who, who've passed away now, but when we were around our parents, you know, the, the the old dynamics would come up, you know, and it, it didn't matter, you know, how old we were, mum would still talk to us as if we were her children and, and you never stop kind of, you know, being your, your kids' parents. So there's some stuff that comes up, which I think you can, some of it's lovely, and then some of our family of origin um, difficulties will come to this or has the potential to come to the surface on Christmas Day. So one of the things which is really important to think about is really try and stay in the present moment because rehearsal doesn't mean that you think about all the things you'd have liked to have said for the past 10 Christmases <laughs> and that you get ready to kind of really let loose on Christmas Day. That That's yeah. not a good rehearsal because that's just <laughs> going to really be a problem. Um, you know, try and try and think about what can I do in the present moment? I know that this person says some things which trigger some emotions for me. You know, what can I say that will be um, assertive, that will be kind of def- uh, not defending as such in, in a sense of, of being confrontational, but that will help me to feel as though I'm empowered in this situation, but it's not going not gonna to turn to custard. So it could be things like if you know that you've got someone in your family that's got quite controversial views, to, to rehearse um, scripts like, um, you know, it's really great that we're here together today and, you know, I, I appreciate that we all have different views on things. And then to mentally rehearse, um, I'm just going to go grab a glass of water, I'm, I'll, I'll be back shortly, and ha- kind of rehearse what can I do to have just little micro breaks to actually be able to gather your thoughts and and then resume the situation in a less emotionally activated way or change the topic or you know the wind up there's always the wind up character who's going to keep going till they've set you off and you just treat it almost like um you know a a strategic challenge that you're not going to succumb you're going to divert your own thoughts or divert the conversation or whatever you raise a really good point about family dynamics and if it is as you say family of origin and we've been around each other since we were all born those old behavioral patterns it is just like an old cassette tape and everyone Mm. falls back into their um uh, or can fall back into their old behaviors Mm. their old roles and all of a sudden Mm. you find yourself responding like you're 11 again Um, is this a case of self-awareness and knowing that and watching out for your own kind of okay, I'm not 11 now, I dealt with this a long ago, I don't need to come back and respond this way. Mm. You, you may still mm. have the emotion, right? But you're a yeah. grown-up and you can regulate. Yes, and that, that's the thing, is that when we when we 
our emotions tend to be the child inside of us. And then, but to be able to notice that, recognize it and be able to kind of almost take a step back from yourself and go, okay, but I actually I'm an adult now and I can choose to respond in a different way. And some of that can be around, um, you know, you mentioned the person who always likes to wind people up. And I find that a good way to manage that sort of situation is a little bit of humor and kind of drawing attention to what's happening. So saying things like, oh, you know, Uncle Jim, there you go again. You love to create a bit of controversy, don't you? With a grin on your face and then kind of, you know, we're not going to get into that conversation today and then to change the subject. So there's a little bit of assertiveness there. Like I I kind of, I'm drawing attention to the process of what's happening, but I'm not going to get into the details of what you've said because I know that that's going to end up in a in an argument. Um, and, and actually we're going to, we're never going to agree on this. So you can use some gentle humour, a little bit of assertiveness, which is like actually when we're not discussing this and then change the subject, which makes it um, kind of quite clear that this is not a, a, this is a, a no-go zone today. Another thing that can happen back in these environments is that pre-existing insecurities uh, are, are, are exposed and are made raw. And this can often, often happen, say, with in-laws, right? And um, you know your mother-in-law has never thought you were good enough for her beloved child, um, and uh, or, or you're not sure, or you feel like you're still an outsider in this family mm. of the person that you're with. So you're just sitting there on a bundle of insecurities, um, and again... Mm-hmm. Our own imaginations can exaggerate the reality. But again, if we know what we've got going on, can we again plan some self-talk, if nothing else? Yeah, yeah. And that's that's such a good point. And it is really important, especially if it's... um, Oh, not your family, so to speak, if it's your in-laws. Um, we had a running joke in our family that we had the in-laws and the outlaws and that, you know, that there was a, a group of people that we, you know, that we knew didn't necessarily, um, you know, weren't, weren't as cohesive as some of some other people. But to be able to, I think, if it's your partner's family and you've there's been some tension there, to plan ahead and to get your partner to be supportive of that, to even have a little bit of a signal that when so that your partner can come over and rescue you or, you know, can come and you know, just maybe say, hey, you know, do you want to come and give me a hand, you know, with the dishes or something, just so you get a little bit of a break. So not managing it by yourself so that you, you've you got that support, but also that self-talk is also important. And I find that um, sometimes front-footing those things, if you know there's some stuff that's going to come up, like um, I'm I'm not particularly um, keen on cooking and I certainly wouldn't say I'm the world's greatest cook. So I make a joke of that at Christmas time. My sister is a beautiful cook. She's amazing and so rather than not that anyone in my family has ever said anything horrible about it but I make a joke of it because then I'm kind of reassuring myself that actually the fact that I'm you know I'm not a massive fan of cooking she doesn't really you know it it's really doesn't define me as a person and it doesn't mean anything and and actually what you can do with your insecurities is when you can actually make sure that you genuinely feel for yourself that this means nothing about you as a person then it's almost like you've got a little bit of armor around where so so that if, if there's some comments made that they kind of bounce off you a little bit because you've already done some self-talk for you for yourself around actually that really doesn't matter that doesn't yeah that that doesn't mean anything about me as a person it's it's really um 
it's so obvious in some ways how these um, these matters happen. I, speaking of insecurities again, you're the person who's in charge of the turkey and this and pretty much running the mm-hmm. whole show. You're the host. Of course you're going to feel insecure. You've got this yeah. huge gig going on and you're just waiting for someone to say something yeah. that pushes the button. Like, where is the so-and-so or, or, or how long or... Um, and again, understanding that you're under some performance pressure... Mm. And being mm. quite justifiably angry that someone's not helping is a different yes. thing from sort of losing it and, and, and exploding. Um, and, and again, yeah. is it a case of anticipating how you're going to feel and having the right right thing to say if, if, it's, if it's appropriate? Yeah, I think anticipating how you're going to feel, noticing how you're feeling, but also, um, you know, we put a lot of pressure on ourselves, you know, so actually if if there is a, a feeling of performance anxiety, so to speak, about hosting, you know, again, to make sure that you say to people, oh, gosh, this is my first time doing this, you know, I'd, I'd love you, you know, can you come and let me know whether the turkey's done or can you, um, I'd love it, I love your potato salad, you know, Auntie Mary, you know, would you mind bringing that? Because Christmas wouldn't be Christmas without it. So, you know, making sure that the pressure isn't internally placed. There, there is often external pressure placed, but making sure that you're not placing additional pressure on yourself is important. And making sure that people, um, we, we run the risk sometimes of wanting to appear so competent and so all together that that's what people assume is happening. And so if we really are struggling and we, we actually genuinely need some help, ask for it. everyone just, yeah, ask for it. You yep. know, there's no shame or embarrassment with that. And the last thing that you want is for you to be in the kitchen, sobbing your eyes out, pouring yourself another glass of wine thinking oh my goodness and and you know that will just create more problems on top of what might already be going on with the chicken being overcooked or whatever you know whatever the issue is. Families who um, have separated parents and that pressure Mm. of who gets to see whom when. It's possibly a bit late to sort that out now. Uh, It should be sorted out but you've still got to deal with the emotions when you are not perhaps having your child on Christmas Day, it might be Christmas yeah. Eve, or, you know, a child might be with you in the morning and not in the afternoon. Again, mm. it exacerbates our very real human emotions. Yeah, yeah, those those are such tricky situations. And I, I guess what I would be saying is that no, nothing you could possibly feel in that situation would be wrong or a problem, but making sure that you also make choices that are about, the parent that you want to be on that day so you know that you that you do the right thing so to speak you know and that you you wish your child you know Merry Christmas and off you go and have a great time and then you can actually get that social support in the sense of being able to say geez that was hard I just oh gosh that just breaks my heart to do that and have a bit of a cry Um, and again to just let people know what the emotions are going on for you but making the choices in terms of what you do in that situation in front of your child I'm talking about that um that means that you are enacting your values as a parent. So these are really tricky situations. And, you know, I think just there's no 
magic cure for not making it emotionally um, challenging for everybody involved. But it's also quite important. The kids, you know, are already, you know, hyped up, tired, because they've probably been up since dawn waiting to, you know, open parcels and things. And actually, they can feed off your emotions. So um, there's a little bit of, um, dare I say, faking it in front of the kids so that, you know, you're not you're not stressing them out and they're not getting more um activated on top of tired excitement you know and a little bit of um, maybe even nervousness about going and having another Christmas with another group of people but when you have an opportunity to be able to release those emotions in an appropriate way with people around you it's so important that you do that because you don't have to manage those things by yourself everyone would understand that that's too difficult. Kirsty finally there's been a lot of um, issues with relationships when it comes to vaccination and of course um, mm. for the most part you can decide whether or not you want to be around a family member who may or may not be vaccinated uh, perhaps isn't vaccinated at Christmas though there is an anticipation that there's a certain cohort of people on the on the gathering list and what yeah. is your advice for those who are um, uncomfortable about having someone at dinner uh, and and how to communicate it or what else to do yeah I, and and I think one of the things is that um, there's there's some aspects to those decisions I think it, that can create different scenarios for people. So I think it's really important to know what your bottom line is because if you are someone um, who has an immune compromised child, for example, where and you know, and you're in an area where there have been some known cases and you know maybe there's some wastewater detection going on you might have a little bit more of a firmer stance on it than you might in another situation so it's really important for everybody to think about what's my what you know where's my bottom line here what what am I prepared to do if it's a case of I'm uncomfortable but I don't feel unsafe and I think that's probably the the line that I would be saying is important to think about is it that I'm uncomfortable or actually do I feel unsafe if you feel unsafe then you may actually make some decisions around um you know and there's there's good reasons for that then you may make some decisions around actually um minimizing contact or maybe not going at all and explaining the reasons why um, and maybe doing a zoom call at lunch but if it's a case of I'm uncomfortable but I don't necessarily feel unsafe what can you do to make it more comfortable and it might be that you actually mentally keep some you know a meter distance that you you know wash your hands and do hand sanitizing pretty frequently hope it does look as though it should be nice weather on Christmas day that you spend a lot of time outside with open air and ventilation and that you think well I'm uncomfortable but there's some things that I can do that will make me feel as though this is a, a cost benefit analysis that actually um, this is something okay. that's going to be okay. And probably not the time to be discussing um, <laughs> sources of information on vaccination. Maybe that conversation could be happening with your loved one in a different environment. Who knows? Yeah. 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 Kirsty, yeah. thank you. <laughs> Dr. Kirsty Ross, clinical psychologist, happy Christmas to you.